The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Well, take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 6 with me. Romans chapter 6. Let's all stand together. We'll read beginning at verse 12 in Romans chapter 6 through the end of the verse, or the end of the chapter. Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 12. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. I want you to remember that statement. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruits unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, we stand before you this morning humble undeserving. The mercy and grace that we enjoy today is unmerited on our parts. And yet you love us. And you have saved us. And Lord, you have made us holy. But the world would confuse us and the devil would would tempt us and, and cause us to fall and falter. And so help us today, Lord. Help us to Walk in strength. Help us to walk in the holiness that you have given us. Help us today to glorify you in all things. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for that. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So far in our pursuit of holiness, we have asked and answered two questions. The first question that I had is this. What is holiness? Holiness defined is to be consecrated 
to God's service, insofar as we are conformed in all things to the will of God. Two elements exist in that definition. The first is consecration. Consecration, we said, is to be dedicated to a singular purpose. The second one we found was conformity. Conformity, we said, is to bring into harmony our accord. This is the scriptural definition of holiness. Not perfection, for we all know that we cannot be perfect until that day when God brings us into his sight. Not in things we do or don't do. Rather, it is a life that is lived in the empowerment given by God the Father at our salvation. Then I asked a second question, and the second question was this. How do we obtain holiness? Well, I I, I gave two answers. First, holiness begins at Calvary. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, we read, Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Peter stated that we are elect, that we are chosen, that we are designated, if you will, according to the foreknowledge of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. In love, So we see that in, in eternity past, uh, before the creation of anything, God had already chosen us. He had already called us, and he had already ordained that we would be holy. Uh, but this election, this calling came not by our own merit. God didn't look into the future in the past and say, oh, well, well Dalton looks like a pretty good guy, so we'll go ahead, we'll put him on the elect side. No, 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 no. Not according to to anything in me, but uh, through the sanctification of the Spirit. I was elect by the sanctification of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And this, this salvation, this sanctification... Not only, was, not only was it elected in eternity past and, and, and was it empowered through the, the Spirit of God, but it came by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the sprinkling of his blood. Colossians chapter 1, we read, if I can turn the page, giving thanks unto the Father, now look at this next part, which hath made us meet. <laughs> Do you see that? God looked at man in the garden and said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. People read that as a help meet. But I don't see a hyphen in there. Eve is a help meet unto Adam. And that word meet means appropriate. It means correct. It means right. So as a sideline, there is no such thing as homosexuality. Uh, I'll say that right now. Eve was made because she was appropriate for Adam. And we'll get off of that and get on another horse here. 
But giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet. God has made us appropriate. He's made us, he's fit us for heaven. He's fit, he fit us to be in his presence. To fellowship with him. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We said our life began at Calvary. The ability to live in holiness is not accomplished by the will of man, nor is it accomplished through the effort of man. It is only accomplished through the finished work of God. Our ability to live in holiness is the result of his workmanship. <laughs> so first, holiness begins at Calvary. Then I said, secondly, holiness is completed in Christ. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse, verses 8 through 11. Let's turn there together. Second Timothy chapter 1. And look at verse 8. <clears throat> we read here, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereof I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. <coughs> we said holiness is complete in Christ. Our salvation, sanctification, and calling were all according to God's own purpose and grace, we just read. And was ordained in eternity past before the world began. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 we read, Who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. In Titus chapter 2 verses 11 and 12 we read, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. It is the righteousness and holiness of Christ that has made possible my, my salvation, my sanctification, and my calling. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, we read, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. <coughs> Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, was made sin for me. So that after his sacrifice on Calvary, I would be made righteous in the eyes of God. Not that I am righteous, for in me dwells no righteousness. But I am made righteous through the shed blood of Christ on Calvary. Without Christ, we would not possess righteousness. And without Christ, you and I could have no hope to live in holiness. So today, you and I can fulfill God's command in 1 Peter chapter 1, where it states, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. 
Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. You see what it said there? As he which has called you is holy. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of our righteousness. He is the author of our holiness. <laughs> he is the power that enables us to walk in holiness. Our holiness began at Calvary. It is completed in Christ. Now this morning, I would like to look at and answer a third question. And the third question is this. How can we continue in holiness? So we've defined what holiness is. And we've, we've, we've learned how we obtain that holiness. But now, something has to keep us holy. So how are we going to continue in holiness? We have, we have, we have looked at all these things, so we've established that holiness is not something that we can acquire through our own efforts. Everyone agree with that statement? Therefore, we can logically assume that if we can't acquire it through our efforts, then we can also not keep it through our efforts. Everyone agree with that statement? Anyone disagree with that? If you do, see me outside. As is the case with our salvation, we could do nothing to earn, nothing to gain salvation, and we can do nothing to keep salvation. It is all the work of God. So there is nothing I can do to prepare myself to be holy. I can't, I can't, I can't say, well, you know what? I need to be holy. So I'm going to go over there in the corner and I'm going to pray a prayer. And then I'm going to come out of that corner and I'm going to be holy. Because I prayed that prayer. It doesn't work that way, folks. That's not the way it happens. There is nothing I can do to prepare myself to be holy or to make myself holy. I am made holy by the work of the Father, and his work is without repentance. The holiness he gave me at Calvary when I was saved, is he, he doesn't take it back. It's without repentance. Romans eleven twenty nine. we read, For the gifts and calling of God are without what? Without repentance. I am holy because Christ is holy. As long as Christ is holy, then I will be holy also. Not because I am good, not for anything found in me, but rather because I have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And all my debt, all my sin, all my unrighteousness was satisfied by Christ at Calvary. It is God's sovereign will that I be holy. Ephesians chapter 1, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in who? Christ. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Did you see that? Is everyone reading the same Bible I'm reading? He ordained before the foundation of the world that you would be holy. 
However, if you back up, it's because we are in who? Christ. Therefore, my holiness is established in the eyes of the Lord. I am righteous and holy when God looks upon me because of Jesus Christ. Not because of me. Not because I can, I can dress a certain way or I can way or I can I can control myself from doing certain things that does not make me righteous that does not make me holy I am righteous and holy inside because God ordained that I would be it's his work it's his grace it's his power so lest we assume our holiness can be obtained and maintained through our own actions We must acknowledge that God not only makes us holy, but he also keeps us holy. So with this in mind, let's examine the tools that God has given us to continue in his holiness. How do we, what maintains our holiness? How do we stay holy? Well, Roman numeral three is this. Holiness is empowered through the sanctification of the Spirit. Holiness is empowered through the sanctification of the Spirit. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians. You should be at 2 Timothy. Just back up, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. And let's go to chapter number 6. Chapter 6, 1 Corinthians. We'll begin reading at verse number 9. We read here, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Look at verse 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And such were some of you. Well, actually, such was all of us. We we were all, we're all included in that statement. Every one of us. There's no one in this room that merits salvation. There's no one in this room that merits the grace of God. If, if there were, then Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. Because if one man can be righteous enough to get to heaven, then all men can be righteous enough to get to heaven. But the fact of the matter is, there is none that understand it. There is none that do it good. No, not one. They are all together become unclean and unprofitable. For all have sinned, the Bible says. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
Not one of us here can boast of a life sufficient to merit eternal life. We are admonished to be holy. God expects us to live holy lives. Yet not one of us, in and of ourselves, possess the ability to live a holy life. So how are we going to accomplish this admonition of the Lord to be holy? I mean, we just read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, uh, that is through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. So what does that mean? Well, in order to understand that, we have to, we have to define the word sanctify. Now, the definition of sanctify is this. To impart or impute sacredness or inviolability. To impart or impute sacredness or inviolability. So let's take this one definition one part at a time. First of all, let's talk about to impart or to impute. Now, this means to ascribe such as righteousness or guilt, it means to ascribe to someone by virtue of a similar quality in another, and that another is Jesus Christ. In other words, upon regeneration, repentance, and justification at salvation, the holy nature of Christ was imparted or imputed to us through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And that word creature means what? Creation. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It is the Father that imparts to us this new nature. And it is the Holy Spirit that instructs in righteousness. John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. The power of the gospel. The power to live in righteousness. The power to walk in holiness. Flows to you and me through the sanctification given us by the Holy Spirit. It is this sanctification that empowers us to overcome the flesh. It is this sanctification that empowers us to live in holiness. Not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And we don't have time to turn to it because it's already noon. And I'm just barely out of my introduction. But you can read later from Galatians chapter 5 verses 17 through 26. In verse 17, he states that the flesh uh, defiles us so that we cannot do the things that we would. In verse 24, he says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Uh, they that are in Christ have been crucified with him. Therefore, the flesh no longer has dominion over them. They are free from the bondage of sin. In other words, God has mortified the flesh. Now, to mortify means to destroy the strength, the vitality, or the functioning of. So, God hasn't eliminated the nature of the flesh. The nature of the flesh still exists within us. But he has mortified that, that, that flesh. He has, he has set boundaries on that flesh. He controls it. God has destroyed the, the strength of the flesh. Remember earlier we read that sin shall no more have dominion over us? 
God has destroyed the strength of the flesh. He's taken away the vitality of the flesh. The flesh, the, the longer you, the more you walk in the spirit, the weaker the flesh becomes. He has limited the ability of the flesh to rule us. I used to, when I, when I preach in chapel at our school, I used to tell the kids, mortification is something like, like this. It's like if you have a rabid, vicious dog. That represents our flesh. And you take that dog and you go chain him to a tree and you only give him a six-foot chain to roam. You are safe from that dog, aren't you? So long as you don't go within six feet of him. So long as you stay outside of the reach of his chain, the dog can't hurt you. The worst he can do is bark at you and snarl at you. But he can't hurt you. But wander inside the, the reach of that chain and the dog will get you. And that's the same thing with the flesh. The nature of the flesh still dwells within me. And it's, it's always there. And it's always ready to bite. But God has, limit, God has taken that flesh and he's limited it. He's put it on a chain. And he's given me a new nature to walk in. And as long as I walk in that new nature and stay away from that old nature, I'm fine. But if I, if I get to feeling too good about myself and start going over to the dog and going, Hey, doggy, hey, doggy, doggy. And he's right at the end of his chain. Ah. Don't play with sin, by the way. Don't play with the flesh. Because the flesh is going to, it's going to get you. And you, you reach around there with that doggy and all of a sudden you trip. Oh, guess what? The dog says, mealtime. And the flesh is just waiting for us to fall. So stay away from the flesh. God ordained in eternity past that we should walk in righteousness. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Therefore, God has given us the ability to do so by setting us apart, by sanctification, and by giving us the power to obey his Holy Spirit. But then the second part of the definition of sanctify is to impart or impute sacredness or inviability. Now, sacredness implies devotion exclusively to one service or use. But inviability means to prohibit violation or to secure from destruction. So by extension, when we say that God has sanctified us, we are saying that God has imparted to us the nature of Christ and has empowered us to devote ourselves to his exclusive service and use. And further, he has secured us from destruction. In John chapter 6, we read, And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Now look at verse number 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone who, which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Do you see that? Christ says he's not losing one of God's elect saints. Psalm 37. We read, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Why? For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And God, upon, in our sanctification, has imparted to us, he's imputed to us, inviolability. 
we cannot be destroyed by sin. You see, a believer may and will fall, but he or she cannot and will not utterly forsake God. And this is because of the inviolability imparted to us by the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. We are preserved from destruction. Now, now again, the flesh can be destroyed. We know that. Matter of fact, the Lord says at, there are times when we will pray that God will destroy the flesh. Because of the poor testimony of a man. But the, the nature that's been given us in Christ Jesus, that nature which made us holy in the sight of God, can never be destroyed. It is through this sanctifying work that we are able to live a holy life. Not because of our own righteousness, but rather through the righteousness we have in Christ. Philippians chapter 3, Paul wrote, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. No, you see, I'm made holy not by my efforts, not by my work. I'm made holy by the sovereign will of God, by the ordaining work of the Father in eternity past. When he chose me and ordained that I should walk in holiness, that I should be holy and walk in holiness, that I would have righteousness, but not my own righteousness, not righteousness which I work to earn, but the righteousness imparted to me, imputed to me by Jesus Christ at Calvary. And by the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, which was given me at Calvary, I am preserved in Christ and I am made holy. Not by, again, not by my works, but by the will of the Father. I'm empowered to walk in holiness. Now, it does take some effort on my part. But without the empowerment from God, I would have no hope of being holy or walking in holiness. You see, for me to attempt to be holy by virtue of my own works is, in fact, denying Christ's proclamation on Calvary where he said, it is finished. You see... Some people take a, 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 dim, a shallow view of that statement. It is finished. They, 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 they say, okay, Christ finished my salvation. Now everything else is up to me. Christ, Christ finished salvation on the cross, but now, now my work starts. No. 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 Jesus said, it is finished. Everything is finished. Your sins are forgiven. You've been washed by the blood of Christ. You are sanctified in the Holy... You are made righteous in, through, through Christ's blood. You are made holy through Christ's blood. You are empowered to live in the will of God. You're empowered to live holy lives. You're empowered, empowered to live righteous. It's finished. It was all done by Jesus. It's all done. It's finished. Quit trying to add to the work of Christ. It is finished. If I, if I attempt to, to, to earn holiness by my virtue, it is saying that I have the ability to produce a holy life 
by myself, by my own actions. It is saying that I have the power and ability to resist corruption uh, apart from the work of God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what it's saying. If I deny the holiness that God has given me and attempt to be holy on my own. Holiness is not something that I produce by my efforts. The ability to be holy has been given to me by God. And it is exercised when I yield to the Spirit of God. So today, stop trying to be holy. And walk and live in the empowerment of God. Do you know, just say no to sin. Just say no to the flesh. Just avoid the barking dog chained to the tree. Don't go near it. Don't play with sin. Just yield to the Spirit of God. So, today, we know that holiness begins at Calvary. And we know that it is completed in Christ. And thirdly, today, we stated that the power to live holy, the power to continue in holiness, firstly, is through the sanctification of the Spirit. That's the first tool that God has given us, is the Holy Spirit. And through the sanctification and the Holy Spirit can impart to us. We can obey the admonition of 1 Peter and be ye holy as God is holy. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you for the holiness, the righteousness that you've given us. We thank you for all these things and we understand, Lord, that It's not by our effort, and it's not by by our own labors. So, Lord, help us. Help us to yield to your Spirit. Help us, Lord, to follow the the admonition of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When when the Holy Spirit convicts us that something should not be done, Lord, give us the strength to obey. Give us the strength to say no. Give us the strength to walk away and be holy in your sight. We are holy because you've made us holy. But empower us, Lord, and help us to live in that holiness. Thank you, Lord, for all that are here today. I pray the message would have been received in the spirit it was given. And I pray, Lord, that we would would use it to apply to our lives. Lord, that we might gain stronger in in our faith in you. Thank you, Lord, for this day now. We ask you to bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.